Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. This week's episode is a recording of one of our Global Autism Community exclusive events. The topic of this roundtable discussion was self-development and accountability. It was hosted by community moderator Michelle Vinokurov. Based in Florida, Michelle is an autistic self-advocate, a paraprofessional, and a registered behavior technician. Participating in this event were autistic self-advocates Corbin Havener, Andrew Bennett, Christina Kasperson, Robert Schmoos, and community member Danielle Terrell. In today's conversation, we discuss mental health, self-care routines, goal-setting and expectations, motivation and insecurities, responding to diagnoses, and growth mindset. In this episode, discover what's possible when you step into who you can be. To learn more about the participants in this discussion, please visit our show notes at autismknowsnoborders.com. Roundtable discussions like the one you'll hear today are open exclusively for members of our online Global Autism community. We select a different theme each month, and our moderators monitor posts daily to ensure that our online space remains safe and respectful. If you'd like to attend and participate in any of our future events, you can sign up today at community.globalautismproject.org. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Autism Podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project, and join our online community on Mighty Networks at community.globalautismproject.org. And now I present you the Global Autism Community. Hello, everyone. Hello. Ooh, we have a big group today, I think. Really exciting. Welcome, Christina. Is this your first roundtable with us? Yeah. All right. Well, you're in for a treat. Hi, Danielle. And I am going to pass the baton over to our lovely moderator, Michelle, who will be facilitating today's event. So go ahead, Michelle. Thank you so much, Rachel. <laughs> Thank you. How's everybody doing today? Good? Great. I'm good. How are you? Good. <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you. After a busy, busy work day with being a paraprofessional, you know, it's definitely lots been happening and stuff, but it's all good. Definitely all good. Glad to see everybody's on here. That and we got a nice group. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, we got an awesome group on today. So let's get this started here. With our our month's theme has been self-development and accountability. So before we even continue on, I really would love for everybody to, that we could all go around and share a little bit of a brief introduction of ourselves. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Michelle Vanekurv. I've been one of the moderators here for the Global Autism Project. I work as a paraprofessional and I'm a registered behavior technician. I work in the ABA field for autistic clients. 
that's a little bit about me. If anybody wants to share next, please feel free to. Okay. My name is uh, Corbin Havener. I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I am another one of the community moderators in the global autism community. My area of advocacy centers around employment. I work in a manufacturing setting for BF Goodrich, the member of the United Steelworkers Local 715 Union. And I definitely care about employment that provides a good standard of living for all. That's awesome, Corbin. My name is Robert. I am a self-advocate as well as a licensed therapist. My advocacy roles include working towards like improving transitional periods from adolescence to adulthood. I have done many talks in regards to autism advocacy, and I am from this eastern Pennsylvania region. That's awesome, Robert. Very cool. I'll go ahead. I'm uh, Andrew. I live in Houston, Texas. I've been involved in ABA as an RBT for about nine, almost nine years now. I'm currently sitting for the BC ABA exam very shortly. And I have grown very interested through my four years of clinical work and then four years uh, working with teachers and then one more year coming back around to a clinical setting with more knowledge and more awareness of my own uh, lived experience, um, how to make ABA, as it's done today, be more uh, client-friendly and more um, diagnostic-friendly to autistic individuals. I've also gotten the opportunity to give uh, public speeches about my own uh, autistic lived experience, more than once, actually, with Global Autism Project. And I also work as a transition specialist at a college in about 20 miles away from where I live right now, in which role I help to build social, professional, and academic skills in mostly neurodiverse college students. Wow, that's wonderful, Andrew. Wishing the best of luck with you with your BCBA exam as you're, as you're going to be taking that. I know for me, I'll eventually be taking that down the road, but I'm receiving supervision right now currently. So. Wishing the best for you with that. That's awesome. Yeah, Christina, go ahead. Hi, um, I'm Christina, and I live in North Carolina. And uh, my interest in the Global Autism Project is really from being a preschool overseas and having had autistic students and then with my own diagnosis. So I'm interested in a lot of aspects of it, from educating kids, especially overseas, to um some of the challenges I've faced as an adult, helping in my own community with things like employment and especially driving, because that was a big challenge for me. So, driving is a big topic right there in terms of like <laughs> how with transportation, how it is for everybody, just even learning to drive. <laughs> Absolutely. I think everyone here knows me for Christina. I'm the a Global Autism Project staff member, and I host the podcast. Autism knows no borders. So, my role here. Now to hear from Danielle. Hi, my name is Danielle Terrell. I live in 
Massachusetts. I am a transition coordinator for the Department of Developmental Services here in Massachusetts. I have a master's in developmental disabilities with a concentration in ABA. Um, I used to be an RBT for a couple of years and I'm a future skill corp traveler. Wow, that's wonderful. Awesome. Thank you all. Thank you to everybody for all that you do because everybody has like such an aspect to bring to the table in terms of like from being in the ABA field to with the Global Autism Project, like Skills Corp and everything else being important with you being with, as a union advocate and everything. So it's wonderful like how many perspectives that each and every one of you has brought to the, t- to the plate here. And just the fact that like, you know, with all of us doing what we do, you know, this is where we need to really like step back and, I, this is where I want to like transition now into the first subtopic that we've been talking about, which is with mental health. And you know that we all have our lives, the busy lives that's going on. And it just, you know, I know with me that I work more than one job, plus with my volunteering with the Global Autism Project and everything. And you're thinking like, how do I handle all that? Like, you know, so... I, and I would love to hear from all of you what you do to, you know, really focus on your mental health. Like, what is, like, one activity you're into and everything where you're stepping back from our daily lives? Well, I would say um, I work such a – I work a very irregular schedule and everything, so I haven't been heavily active at- outside of that but you know I remember I remember sometimes especially when I was in better running shape going out for a run had a way of working off all frustrations just to get a simple run but a lot of times even um, you know walking around uh, different places is great as well I live in a historic neighborhood so everything is much more connected than the modern suburbanization style neighborhoods that you see. So it's a great asset that I have in my neighborhood and I really love utilizing it. That's wonderful. I know with me too, like I really enjoy like just going for walks. And as if for you guys that don't know me about, I live in Florida. I grew up in New Jersey. Originally I was from New Jersey. I grew up there for pretty much most of my life. It was 20 years until last year, my family and I decided to move to Florida and now we spend more time outside. And that's been the best thing just for all of us in terms of our, uh, including our mental health too, that just being out and active and everything. And I know I could say, I don't know about you guys, but I know how much the pandemic kind of pushed that in terms of like, just, you know, affecting our mental health and, you know, it took a toll. I don't know if you guys want to share any personal experiences from that and how that kind of affected your mental health. Please feel free to share if you feel comfortable to. But I know it just from being inside all the time was tough. But then when my family and I, like we all made the change to move down here, it was so much better. So that was a little bit from my perspective, but yeah, again, please feel free to share like whatever experience that you have, you know, how much that you've improved with your, with your own mental health in a way. I'll share. 
as far as my own mental health, one thing that I noticed that really makes a difference in my day to day is like Corbin was saying, physical exercise and doing some yoga in the morning really helps set the tone for how my day is going to be. So I've noticed that when I do set aside that time for myself, it not only like gives me the physical benefits of stretching and building strength, but it gives me some space to clear my mind and have a little bit of a meditation, you know, which if I don't do that, you know, some days I wake up a little bit later, I have something to do right away. I really notice a difference in how my, the rest of my day plays out. So that's one thing that I try to make sure that I put into my routine. And of course, I want to make sure everybody has a chance to speak, but something did come up to my mind and it has to do with stimming. I commonly stim via pacing. So exercise naturally works into that need to self-regulate. Oh, absolutely. I, I, for me, like I pace a lot, even at my work too, like as a paraprofessional in the classroom, I'm like, I'm always moving myself around because I can, I really cannot sit in one place. I can't. I'm like, I have to keep moving. So. (laughs) I'll go ahead. And I also want to point out that Corbin, you really it really made sense to me now why exercise benefits me so much. I find that that can wake me up or calm my stress down as long as I don't overdo it. So way for pointing out how it works for autistic people, because not that everybody's going to have it be the same, but I like to go outside. I actually have a little backyard in the place that I live in right now. And I'm able to just go and rig my computer up if I need to work outside or read outside or sometimes eat. And also, I'm able to just relax out there. I can take my shoes off and just sit in the grass if I want to. And that really, it gives me a little bit more sensory input, I find, as well as a lot of the influences out in the environment in the back here. There's a lot of trees. There's some birds here and there. So it really makes me feel immersed in sounds or sights that bring me a lot of peace. and. Depending on what's out there, it can make me more focused. Sometimes it doesn't. That's when I go inside. But being able to feel like I'm connected to other things in my environment, not necessarily always people, but that does have its side effect of I'm able to feel more connected to everything, including other people. So I've noticed my own interest in others and in socializing has also improved as a side effect of that. But in general, I feel a lot happier when I'm surrounded by nature or around other things just in general that make me feel connected. So I think connection exercises are valuable for anybody. So I wonder if somebody else has experienced that. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful, Andrew. Especially like, I know with me growing up, I know with my family, they always pushed about with us being active in terms of exercising, but even just connecting as a family, like by participating, like, Little fun fact about me is that I did Taekwondo from age eight to for five years, and I got my black belt at the age of 10. So we all participate in the sports together, and just that physical activity just brought down stress levels like so low. It just, with physical activity, is just very beneficial on so many levels. I know it could be 
some people, and this is, and this leads to actually another subtopic here is about with motivation. When it comes to motivation, not everybody's motivated the same way, right? So not everybody's going to have the motivation right away to do something new like that, like get into physical activity. It just depends. So I wonder what your guys' experiences are in terms of like, oh, actually, there's something from Andrew. I just wanted to get this quickly that, let's see, exercising things for study to be. Yes, absolutely. I know with exercise that it's been definitely deep, like lowers depression and anxiety. Absolutely. Because you're like so focused on yourself and just, Leads like endorphins and everything, so it makes you feel better. Absolutely, thanks for sharing that, Andrew. <laughs> I'm just going to read it out loud. I'll sorry to interrupt just for the recording because not everyone's going to, yeah, well, people who mm-hmm. listen to this won't read it. So, Andrew <laughs> said, Exercise has been clinically studied a few times for its effects on depression and anxiety as well. The research is eye opening. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thanks for sharing that, Rachel. And thank you, Andrew, for sharing that too with us and everything. Thank you. But yeah, going back to about with motivation and everything, like I would love to hear your guys' experiences in terms of like, were you always motivated like growing up or did it take someone to push you? I was motivated um, to do well in school. I wanted to make my parents happy, grownups happy, teachers happy. So I I was been motivated in some ways. I find as an adult that I have to do work that I'm interested in, or it's very hard to stay motivated. So for example, I really enjoyed some aspects of teaching preschool because I, I liked art and music and I could use those. So I was pretty motivated to do well in my job. As far as like um, motivated with other aspects of personal care, like just knowing the benefits of you know rest, like naps and exercise, you know, keeps me motivated to do that stuff. I guess when you try something and you see the results, or if you see something that you can do something little by little, and you don't have to see results right away. Like for me, learning languages is something that I saw I can do little by little. So it encourages me to try to do big tasks that I can only do little by little, because if you keep at it, you'll see great results. Absolutely. Like, you know, where you're kind of like where you're like breaking things in like chunks. And so like, especially doing something you're uh, interested in, you know, that's a thing that increases motivation. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, Christina. One of the things that I was always motivated to do is just motivated to do something that makes me happy something that makes me engaged and make and betters myself whether it be physically mentally emotionally there are times in which you know there are doubts that I have when I'm engaging in this but at the end of the day I have I tell myself to move forward and especially if it's something I love to do that's so important I'm so glad you shared that Robert because like you know, if it's something, and I'm even starting to see that, like, so far we've heard from Christina and Robert that, like, just doing something that you really love and enjoy really does push you and motivate you to do so much more. And that's a big part of, what, like, with growing ourselves. So, 
thank you for sharing that, Robert. For me, I feel like what helps motivate me is when I'm in like a consistent routine. So kind of like what Rachel was saying earlier, waking up early and like having those set goals. And I also enjoy exercising in the morning. So kind of just starting your day off right, you know, doing something that's going to be good for your overall health and for your mental health. And I also find it's extra motivating when you have someone to do it with, like when you're having like a set goal with someone else and you're both working towards that goal, whether it's like a challenge, um, that's always extra helpful and accountability partner. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Like you gotta, I know. And again, like as we've said earlier about with how people mentioned about with physical activity, not everybody's going to be motivated to do it by themselves. So having like a partner who's making sure you're accountable in terms of like with getting the support that you need and everything. That's, that's really important too. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Danielle. And just about with, with routine. I know with me growing up, like I am very structured myself and I need this routine. So that way it keeps me going and everything. I don't know if the rest of you guys can relate to about that in terms of having like somewhat of a routine or in any way making your own kind of like, like flow in terms of like what happened with your day going and everything. But that with me, I could so relate about that in terms of like just having that routine. So that way I'm like not as anxious and keeps me on track of everything. And that's where kind of, Danielle, I thank you again for another point about that leading to this topic about with goal setting and expectations because if we always have like something that we like think of like a like a deadline for something if you know like you want to be able to grow yourself and to accomplish a goal like that's a big and so about with goal setting expectations like why do you guys think that's so important well it displays the things that you value, the direction that your life is going, and it expresses what you're motivated for. So to connect that with the last topic, we have to have some sense of self, really, or self-identity to be even able to have motivation at all. But what it is that we are valuing comes out in our goals and the things that we do every day, perhaps. Um, look, have we ever looked and seen how much we've allocated in our day to specific things, it might show that we value pressing towards our specific goals or maybe just goofing around or both. And I think we all can look at our days and evaluate, like, what are we doing with that time? In my case, I am working a lot on writing down the things that I want to accomplish in a day and the amount of time I think it's going to take to complete them. If I have a long uninterrupted time, maybe I'm going to work and I want to what are the most important things to do at work today? Or what do I want to do on my break when I have one? Maybe it's something super important. Like yesterday, I had to get my tire checked out because there was a slight leak. Like that was important, even though I got very little out of anything done. We have to basically pick and choose what we are able to do with our time. And it's not easy to prioritize, of course. Um, that's the challenge I have with goal setting. It's like, yeah, these are all goals, but which is most important? But goal setting and going through a list of your goals is actually pretty easy for a lot of autistic people because 
You can list them out. You can cross them off. It's satisfying for a lot of people, but it's extra satisfying when you can get your hands in it and be done with it because then you feel it. And maybe we feel it more than other people, perhaps. It's a tangible way to remind yourself to do X, Y, and Z. That's why I have papers in each major area of my apartment for these are projects to do in the kitchen. These are projects to do outside or in the bedroom or in the office. So I always have that reminder. And it's just really seeing and excelling in the small things that really define who you are as a person, almost more than the big things, but the small things help you to get to the big ones. So. Oh, exactly. Just having like those, like, just pretty much having those like little small goals can make like such a big difference towards something even bigger. You know? So like just having that where it's like one at a time, like, if you had to think of like one thing you want to accomplish today, and if you get that, like that's a big achievement. We forget, like we all, we so forget that like the smallest, the smallest things like that could be so huge. <laughs> really do. So I'm glad you shared that, Andrew. And also the fact that with making a checklist, I do it all the time. I have a whiteboard next to me where I have like, all right, I got to, like get, I know we got a round table going on right now. So get that going. And also with doing a, a assignment for college, I have that going on later. So, you know, just getting those little things done and everything and checks up and you check one box off. I'm like, I'm like, wow, actually I, I'm getting stuff done. This is awesome. So it's something like you actually see. And I think that's a lot of things that, you know, I don't know, like, Corbin, if you could relate with that in a way where you haven't in your experiences, like with work or something, you're like, you get one little thing achieved and that right sets a good mm-hmm. moment for your day. Yeah, really, my job, I'm just all rhythm and routine, you know, even my schedule isn't a rhythm. I think for anybody that I've ever shared what my work schedule looks like, it looks, it probably looks confusing, right? Nobody else but me could probably predict when I have to go to work. But the two on, two off, three on, two off, three off, like two on, three off, that operates an internal rhythm for me. And a lot of times, even scheduling stuff, I don't even have to look at my schedule chart. But another thing I uh, brought up is I uh, counted my phone and brought up the results for the 2016 interregional rumble because I just thought about my uh, fastest 8k time and I think that's probably the most immediately tangible goal setting successes that I've had is in um, the sport of cross country because um, it gives you a because get into long distance running what's great about it is you can just get into it you have a chance to evaluate where you are, and then you have a chance to improve upon it by following your like your weekly plan, practicing hitting what intervals you need to. And, you know, for example, when I was doing that 8K race on this flat, on this very flat and what I knew to be fast course in Overland, Ohio, I was amped at taking on that race. And then when I went through the first mile and heard I was at 538, I'm like, I knew I was on track and I was amped even more because in a cross country race, I'm actually best in the middle 
of it, which is where most people struggle. Oh, that's so cool. I want to share something about time management, which is a little bit related to goal setting and accomplishing tasks. So something that works really well for me because I can sometimes become a little bit overwhelmed with all of the things that I need to do in my life across all different kinds of areas, whether it's work or personal life or household chores or whatever it is. Something that I've found really helpful is having, well, I have this notebook where I have a planner of all of my appointments and everything. And I have one page per month of what's like a brain dump, right? So I have different categories and under each category, I'll just write anything that's on my mind. That way it's not floating around in my head. And it doesn't necessarily mean I'll get to it that day, but actually just putting it down on the piece of paper relieves a little bit of that stress. Then I'll go to my weekly planner or my daily planner and I'll take things from that kind of big master list and see if there's anything that makes sense to do and get done that day. And I found that helps with categorizing things and and seeing what the true priority is. So I just wanted to share that if that's a helpful tip for anyone. That has been for me in terms of like what needs to get done in terms of like, for example, with college. Uh, If you guys don't know already, like Mm -hmm. I've been a college student through Purdue University Global. I'm like three weeks away now from finishing my bachelor's degree and I'm graduating next month. So what I've had to do I in terms of my assignments I've had to like prioritize, like, let's say I've had a discussion board post, uh, writing assignment, whatever. I've had to like prioritize what was important first and which one like I knew like was going to be a little more time consuming or whatever. And what I've had to do, my way of breaking that part was that if I know I have more time like to do it. I do my, um, like, I would do my writing assignment one, like, a little bit each night, like, doing a couple, like, a couple of parts, and then, like, my discussion board parts are real, boards are really easy, so I just get that done one day, and, like, boom, done. Better to get one thing done, but, yeah, like, I use my phone just to, like, jot down, like, what I need to get done on this day, and, like, if I need to move it around, I'll move it to the next day, but, It's so important that I want to add on to with Rachel about like where just having that deadline. So, you know, like at the same time, you know, like, okay, my goal is to get like for I'll go back to that with my college that my goal is to get my writing assignment done on the Sunday before it's due because all my assignments are due on Tuesdays at midnight. I don't know why my college does that, but yeah. So <laughs> that's how I do it. And it's helped me so much. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> but yeah, just having like that deadline and everything. So just knowing like I have this goal in mind. And please excuse about the thunderstorm that's happening right outside because it is it has been loud. So yeah. 
I think that's really great that you kind of set your own deadline ahead of the real deadline. I used to say all the time I work really well under pressure, but kind of reflecting back as far as like mental health perspective, it's definitely not the best. So kind of like using a planner or using your phone to schedule things out and kind of break down whether it's an assignment, whether it's a to-do list, it's definitely really helpful for productivity. I myself, I even am learning how to like prioritize things and take things kind of one day out of it at a time. Absolutely. And um, I know for me, like I always make sure like on the, especially on the weekdays by like eight o'clock at like eight o'clock at night, I'm done. I am not doing anything that's like college related, work related, nothing. I am done by then because I want to make sure I take time for myself and like enjoy like my hobbies, enjoy being with family and stuff. So that's where I think it's important to prioritize that, that our mental health and everything that's the biggest thing and know that if you take time for yourself it's gonna help you anyway achieve what you want to achieve that's where i want to get yeah andrew go ahead yeah to follow from what daniel is saying i think there does seem to be a lot of evidence out there from what i understand that working under pressure isn't necessarily a good thing but if it's like working towards the actual deadline and you're near the end of it and then trying to cram it all in there maybe it won't be your best work but in, in my case I do something differently it keeps the advantages that we might think come from working under pressure but it doesn't make you rush if I'm giving myself a certain amount of time that I can spend maybe on the computer or on my phone to get specific things that I tell myself I'm going to allow myself to do while I'm on this, it's going to keep me from just going off and doing whatever. There is plenty of research or information out there about how long it takes us to refocus on something when we get distracted. And I know that I tend to do that because I'm very trigger happy when it comes to being on a phone or a computer. Like I'll just look up all sorts of random things and get off track. But now what I'm trying, I'm implementing at least a good deal of the time is I'll write down, this is the time block. I'm allowing myself to use this and I'm going to get it done within that time as best as I can. And maybe it's going to be something that I need to revisit a couple times to get done in full. But if it's for say right now with me studying for my exam, okay, today I'm going to do 60 minutes and I'm not going to do anything else on this machine for 60 minutes. Then when the timer rings, boom, I can do something else. So that is also accountability as well as time management, as well as scheduling. So it's a win-win-win. Yeah. And I also want to use this opportunity to name drop Chelsea Flanagan and her YouTube channel, The Financial Diet. It's a really great channel. It doesn't give you the classic, you know, don't spend money. It recognizes yeah, there are certain realities and sometimes you have unexpected things and sometimes unexpected debts can catch up on you and how to manage that. So it really gives great financial advice from the actual realities of everyday people instead of just telling you to not spend money because that's not too helpful. What I like is a, I think it's a 10 things you could be doing right now. I think I shared it sometime a long time ago, but... Schedule what's known as a scary hour. 
every week that just dedicates doing all the stuff that you just dread or don't want to do and do it with a friend or family member and maybe do something to make it fun as well. And so this could be really going into those bills that you don't want to look at. I know a lot of times um, logging into certain online accounts to pay stuff like I know I have everything, but sometimes it's just some annoying steps. But yeah, if you just set aside like that hour a week and put all that stuff in there, do it with somebody and add something fun to it. You know, if you do drink, maybe you can have some sort of drink with that. If that's something you do, Um, that could make it more fun too. But, you know, play your favorite music or have some sort of game with it. Just do something to make make it fun when you tackle things that you don't want to do, whether it's bills or chores or anything else. Yeah, absolutely. For me. I, whenever I'm doing my college work, I always put on my favorite music. So that's for me and stuff, just to tackle on with that. Oh, Christina. Um, thank you. I'm sorry. I actually have to get going now. Yeah, that's fine, Robert. I'm so I'm glad sorry. you come on. Hi, Rob. Hi, I'm sorry. That's all right. Thanks for joining even for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're welcome. Bye. Bye. I was thinking about, and maybe someone's already mentioned it, but what Corbin was saying, you know, do something, make that scary hour, make it more bearable or make it easier by doing, you know, enjoying music or a drink you like or something. I often will reward myself for doing things that are hard. Like usually after, if I do this, oh, then I can have a walk or I can go to the coffee shop and enjoy some of my hobbies with uh, learning and stuff at, at, at a coffee shop or whatever it is. But, um, you know, trying to do that, that hard stuff and get it out of the way, it's, yeah, it can be very intimidating. And I, I often mentally give myself some kind of, promise myself some kind of reward of doing something I enjoy afterwards to motivate myself to get it done. I love coffee rewards. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's very cool. I'm I'm glad you do that. And I, I've done that myself too. In terms of like after a hardworking day or whatever be in, and I keep going back to a lot with college because I'll tell a little glimpse of what's happened and stuff. Like I've gotten my associate's degree and then I took a break for a little bit of time and then I got motivated by my first job as a paraprofessional to go back to college. And to pursue for, and then getting my bachelor's degree in ABA. So I know with in terms of like I've had some days where I'm like after getting all the stuff done for college, I'm like I'm like yeah, I could go have a treat, or like yeah, I could go for a walk, or you know. So you should. It's so important to like just to reward yourself after like getting something done because that's again that's like one step towards even accomplishing a big goal and everything. So, Christine, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's very important for people to do that. Thank you. I actually want to transition now and to this very important topic that is about with growth mindset. And why with growth mindset is because 
especially I know with my own experiences, and if anybody can relate about this, is that I know when I was little, it, you know, I was very limited in terms of my interests and everything and just trying to grow myself in terms of like what I like and stuff and like that's around in my environment. I don't know, Christina, Corbin, Andrew, if you guys can relate about that from your experiences growing up, if like at first you had like very limited interest or in things or I don't know, like from from that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I just um I always sort of wanted to be involved. Obviously, I really liked um keeping to myself. Um so um, one of the things I'm realizing is, yeah, I was the youngest. Occasionally, my older siblings would have friends over or go to a friend's places. And, you know, it turns out sometimes I sort of did that because I felt like that's something I should be doing. But I really didn't want to do that as much as sort of, I just sort of did that. But one thing that I did mention is, sort of took me until about, you know, maybe the end of elementary school and the middle school before I uh, really got into sports. And, you know, my parents, my parents were never going to force me to do anything I didn't want to do. And that's something all parents should keep in mind. Encourage kids to try out, try things, but don't force them to do anything they don't want to do. But yeah, by late elementary school, um, you know, I saw like I got really interested in sports. Like, for example, I was in fifth grade when I saw uh, my Colts um, win Super Bowl 41. And that's the team where I got to see a championship in my lifetime. And Colts are the team I'm a fan of that I'm most invested in. At least they didn't lose. They tied yesterday. (laughs) Yesterday, it's funny. But when you're not interested in sports early, a lot of times you're not developed as well in skills that can really get you on pace to like be on the, you know, higher level team in sports, like, you know, the basketball team or anything like that. But I definitely had my place on like, for example, the cross country team. And I think that's where I had a chance to really develop myself. I'm incredibly proud of the amount of growth that I've had over the years, being a cross country runner through like sixth grade. Um, when they started the 3K through high school at the 5K distance. And eventually I did that up to junior year of college at the NCAA Division Three level, doing the 8K distance, including, actually looked it up quite frankly, but getting down to a 28 minute and 34 second 8K. And it was a progression of incredible growth and great goal setting and really the closest relationships that I've had throughout my uh, school years. That's wonderful. Especially like, again, like if you set your mind to it, you know, like you want to get to that point, you know, that's where it's important. And I think that's what it really takes. Like if you, in terms of like growing yourself that like, if you want to, you set your mind to it, you can achieve it. You really can. And so that's wonderful, uh, Corbin, for sharing your perspective and everything. Yeah, Andrew, go ahead. Um, to follow further from this, 
Corbin, and to connect what the way that I understand the growth mindset to be is there's some people that say, if you really want to accomplish something, make it impossible for you to at least not try to do it, like set the environment up so that people are going to check in with you on how things are going or set it going back to the deadline setting as well also. And my case, the biggest example of that was my global autism project trip in 2019, where I had never fundraised in my life for anything. And I now had to make $5,000 in about four or five months thinking, okay, well, there are a few things that I know I could do. I know I have some people that are willing to give 50 or a hundred dollars. I have a lot of exercises or a lot of perks that I can give donors. I have all these friends that know me as an autistic clinician here and there. And maybe that was a little bit of an extra cred where I feel like people are going to want to support me doing something that is in line with my own growth. And it gave me a good deal of confidence that, you know, I've got plan A, plan B, all the way to plan X, let's just say, which meant that I was okay with trying something huge because I had confidence that one, one, at one point I was eventually going to succeed and that there were going to be some failures along the way. There were going to be people that didn't donate. There were going to be some ups and downs, but in the end, I always knew I had a safety net. I had things to fall back on. And at some point I knew I was going to come up with more creative ways to accomplish that particular goal. And that was an enormous step for me to do that because growing up, most things were just done for me and I was protected from failure. And it led to me finding any kind of failure or anything that might possibly be a situation where I would be rejected or screw up or not be successful as so aversive, I wouldn't even try to do it. So that's part of the growth mindset. And the other part is realizing that part of the narrative in society is that, you know, maybe society is going to tell you you can't do these things because of X, Y, and Z. I mean, going out asking for money wasn't going to be easy for me, but it was even harder because I was I had some social challenges, for one. It's like, oh, well, you can't do $5,000. But no, I can. If I do this and this and this, then maybe one day I will do it. But also, the general narrative given to autistic people, at least when I grew up, was you're not going to do this and that. So it limits you or puts you in a box. And it's a sad reality. A lot of us were predicted to land in institutions or to never go to school or go to college or live on their own. And that, if you understand that and what it can make you believe that as well. And realizing that that is a belief that has been pounded into you or force fed to you in some way or another allows you to then do the hard work to first break that and then go into the growth mindset. You know, I can grow, I can change, and I can do these things. But you first have to break that self-imposed barrier on yourself. And then at least you will do pretty well at trying. You may not succeed at everything, but it's worth the challenge. And to go with what you're saying, Corbin, sometimes the journey is what matters. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Andrew. And just the fact that 
how you actually brought up a point about the way that we respond that our words matter so much of how we approach people and like approaching like in terms of like let's say about like you're about being newly diagnosed and everything like how you talk to people about it and just saying like your words they attach to people and I know from my perspectives like in the schools like working as a paraprofessional and being an RBT and everything, like you have to be so careful with your words towards like with students and clients and with families, because, you know, they're going to believe that. And from your own experiences and everything, what you are told, that kind of attaches a bit. But when you have that, like that push and that support system, I believe that's where you can really like, really go far in life and Andrew as you were I'm piggybacking on you about this is that just having that push you know like that support system is so important to growing yourself and expanding like everything and if you take a step out you can't exactly go back you've got to act now mm-hmm. absolutely so get off and make the first step sometimes absolutely I know we have a couple minutes left for our round table for today, but I really want to like wrap this up with like, if there was like one key takeaway, like if you, if each of you can share a little brief, like key takeaway that you want to share with our members, like what would that be? Well, maybe it's in Christina's mind. I don't want to take it from her, but I think I mentioned if you listen to uniquely human podcast one of the most recent episodes is about like autistic self-advocates parents and professionals work together and one of the things that stood out to me is that autism especially when we're starting out with a new diagnosis is that autism is not an emergency and what that means is there's going to be at the diagnosis there's going to be a lot of recommendations like including intensive therapy and there's a lot of push and pull different directions to go but this would give a this should give a parent a a chance when they learn the news to just sort of take a step back and observe because they will know what their child struggles and needs support with but also where they may may be strong with and really not put them into like say an overly intensive process that will like burn that child. They have their whole life, of course, to develop into an adult. They have their whole life. Just take the time to observe and apply parental instinct with the partnership of the autism advocate community, as well as professionals to best supply parental intuition as well. I would say as a takeaway would be um, believe in yourself, whether that confidence, wherever it comes from, it may not come overnight. It may take a long time, but as long as you stay true to yourself, believe in yourself and trust the people in your community, you can accomplish, you know, whatever you want to be. And that everyone's going to take a different road to get there. You're your own author and your path will be different from others. So as long as you believe in yourself, you'll get there. 
I think it's important to know your rhythms, uh, your own rhythms, what you need to feel your best and to perform your best, whether that's uh, your, your rest, your exercise, and, and to put some boundaries around those things and, and to say, be able to say no to people because to say yes to your goals or to say yes to those really important things in your life means you have to say no sometimes to other things and, and to people sometimes. So you have to say no to say yes sometimes. Yeah. And if I could add, sometimes you have to say no to take care of yourself. Yes. I'll share. There are these common themes when thinking about self-development and accountability, which some of you guys have been saying, you know, believing in yourself and not putting limits and at the same time setting boundaries and knowing yourself and what you need. And I would also just add that one exercise we like to do at the Global Autism Project, especially if you've done Skill Core or Leadership Academy, is looking at who you are showing up as in the world and stepping outside of that also and looking at who you can be. So sometimes we have these signatures that we hold on so tightly to, and it's good to know yourself and kind of have some identities. And at the same time, that in and of itself can be limiting. So when you try and think outside of that and really in that growth mindset space, look at who you can be in any situation whether it's at work or even in the community and the online space, maybe you're not used to really sharing so many vulnerable details about your life. But when you start to open up, and I'm sure you guys have seen this in the space, you start to open up, it gives permission to other people to do the same. So maybe who you can be in that moment is a model for someone else and being that support. That's just one example. But yeah, I think like, trying on different hats, so to say, so that you're always looking at how you can learn something new about yourself in a new situation. Absolutely, Rachel. You know, with wearing different hats and everything, sometimes you got to get yourself out of your comfort zone just to explore that other area of yourself that you never know you have a lot of capabilities of. So it's important to step so I, I would probably add that part of the message take away with this is that just to also give yourself a chance to step out of your comfort zone. So that way, you know, you learn a part of yourself that you may never know that has a lot of potential about. So that is really important. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you to everybody today for sharing perspectives in terms of with connecting with our theme for this month being with self-development and accountability. So thank you, everyone. And thank you, Michelle, so much for leading today's roundtable. You did fantastic. This was so much fun. And we'll see everyone in the community. Awesome. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. What are some ways you hold yourself accountable? Do you have any stories or tips to share related to self-development? Share your experiences over in our online Global Autism community. Whether you're a self-advocate wanting to connect with other autistic people 
or you're a family member hoping to support and empower your loved one, or you're a professional seeking to hear directly from autistic voices and improve your practice, you can join our online global autism community to collaborate with people all over the world. Sign up today at community.globalautismproject.org. Let's work together to transform how the world relates to autism. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at AutismKnowsNoBorders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.